Hey, Doug, great show, man. Uh, I would encourage everybody to reach out and support Doug. Uh, This is absolutely tremendous. Doug is making a personal sacrifice that is enormous. And and Doug and I have talked about this. You know, if the orange fraud, if the uh, the Nazi wannabe, the uh, authoritarian fascist happens to win... Uh, he might turn his sights towards Doug. He probably won't because, uh, you know, we're just a little Las Vegas radio show. But, you know, Doug has sacrificed tremendously for your entertainment, for your education. He puts a lot of time into this show. He provides tremendous content. Helen Thomas hit it square on the head. Come on, man. Reach into your pockets and support Doug. Give us some help. We need Doug Basham on the radio every single day of the week. I'm back, bitches. What if you knew Fox News was just lying to you? How could you watch when you know? He was voted Variety Entertainer of the Year in the Excellence in the Arts Awards and is one of the highest arbitrage now Nielsen-rated talk radio hosts in Las Vegas. He is also a refreshing voice of logic and reason. Live from the entertainment capital of the world, Doug Basham. I know words, I have the best words. I love the poorly educated. Right under the toilet. And good morning, my fellow wokes and Republican jokes. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Doug Basham, and welcome to the Doug Basham Show right here on KSHP in Las Vegas and on social media, and to a genuine demonstration of excellence in broadcasting. The website is DougBasham.com, last name spelled B as in Bob, A-S-H-A-M as in Mary, DougBasham.com, my email, Doug at DougBasham.com. If you are new to the show, here's all you need to know. What you'll find on my website, the show's logo on top, underneath it, links to everything associated with this show, including links to all my social media sites on which we broadcast this show live. But I'll make it as easy as I can. On my website, first click on the YouTube icon. Once there, click on the link that says live. There you can watch the show live or view the archive shows. Two clicks. That's it. It's as easy as shooting fish in a barrel or people in a bowling alley, apparently. What? Too soon to say things like that? To anyone who might be thinking what I just said was a tasteless joke, Sorry, but I think the useless and cowardly thoughts and prayers Republicans offer after every mass shooting, those are the real tasteless jokes. What I just said was the cold, hard, and repulsive truth about the insane, blood-soaked, and lethal gun culture in this country. And if you have a problem with that, do something to reduce the catastrophic number of mass shootings in this country other than thoughts and prayers. Fair enough? Oh, and while you're on my YouTube page, if you could manage a third click, in particular on the subscribe link, I would be grateful. And I would like to thank Sep B. Lionhearth for being my newest subscriber. 221-7283 is our call-in number here at the station, folks. If you would like to talk on the radio later, as in our second half hour, that's 702-221-SAVE, as in save our democracy, which is our ultimate and only goal in each and every show we do, lock him up. 
And because it's Friday and we made it through another week, if you guys want, I'll give you the whole second half hour. But if we get to the bottom of the, of the first half hour and the phone lines aren't lit up, I'll just keep going. So it's up to you. 221-7283-702-221-SAVE. Well, as I mentioned, it is Friday, which means it's time for us to award our Brain Dead, Ma Brain Dead Mega Cult Based Dumbass of the Week Award. And, as is always the case, how do you pick just one? Given what one of the main stories this week has been, I can think of no better choice than the QOP's choice for their next Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. But rather than play you a sound clip from him, because we'll be doing that during the show, I'd like you to hear what comedian Trey Crowder had to say about Mike Johnson. They just think he can pass as a moderate because he wears glasses and on occasion will employ multisyllabic words. Well, don't buy it. He is a fascistic zealot, okay? I promise you. And what's left of any kind of level-headed Republican contingent, they looked at him and they said, Okay, so he's a seditious ideologue, but you know, I mean, at least he's not a sex pest with a cartoonishly gigantic head. At least he's not pulling his titties out at the opera or showing dick pics on the floor of Congress, you know? And I mean, for us, that's, I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But, but as far as why Trump backed Mike Johnson in the first place, it's because he satisfies the one criterion that Trump actually cares about, and that is he is utterly divorced from the objectivity of reality, particularly as it pertains to the results of the last presidential election. That's right, he's an election denier, and in MAGA world, that's quite literally all that matters. I mean, look at some of the other candidates they had over the course of the process. Some of the names they floated out there, these guys were arch conservatives. First ballot Hall of Fame hate mongers, y'all. But they had the audacity to certify Biden as the next president on account of he was elected by the American people to be the next president. And for that sin in MAGA world, they are cast out, shunned, labeled rhinos forevermore. That's how they roll. And that is terrifying. All right. But as far as Mike Johnson himself goes, like he's not just a believer. He's an architect. I mean, this dude's a constitutional lawyer. He tried to he tried to formulate legal arguments for why Trump should be able to keep the presidency back then. They call that a paper coup, y'all. All right, so I'm telling you right now, this milk toast maniac is every bit as dangerous as the rest of them. You're a dumbass. You're a dumbass. You're grade A number one bona fide first class. You're a dumbass. And congratulations to Mike Johnson for being our brain-dead, mega-cult-based dumbass of the week. Conversely, we are also going to award for the first time the Doug Basham Show's Champion of the Week Award. We'll call it the People's Champion. And this award this week goes to my favorite late-night host, Stephen Colbert. At the end of his monologue last night, Colbert had what can only be described as a mic drop moment. And I'm spelling mic M-I-K-E, as in the aforementioned new QOP Speaker of the House. And while I briefly considered editing Colbert's dissertation down to a more traditional radio soundbite length, I ultimately decided to let you hear the entire thing as in my not always humble opinion, every single word was just solid gold. Here's Stephen Colbert as we're not used to seeing, seeing and hearing him. Which brings us to a story that is sadly all too common. Because last night, there was another horrific mass shooting in America, this time in Lewiston, Maine, where 18 people were killed and more than a dozen injured. This is unfathomable darkness, and there are no words to describe the sickening grief and horror. The suspected shooter, who as of this taping is still at large, still at large, reportedly has a history of mental health issues, including hearing voices, who had also threatened to shoot up a National Guard base and who was committed to a mental health facility for two weeks over this past summer. Yet, he was still able to get guns. Now, we know the argument. Some people are going to say this is a mental health issue. Others are going to say it's a gun issue. But there's no reason it can't be both. For instance, some people are going to look at this tragedy and say, we don't have enough guns in America. That alone proves some of us are mentally ill. 
And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter where the answers come from, from Republicans or Democrats or independents. There's no reason for this to be a partisan issue. Humans are dying. This is a human issue. Mm -hmm. And at times like this, you can feel powerless, but you're not, because you can make this the issue you vote on. And I promise you, no matter what side of the aisle you presently sit on, you will not be alone, because 86% of your fellow Americans want universal background checks before any gun purchase. A majority... A majority of your fellow Americans want a ban on assault-style weapons. More than 80% of Americans want Congress to do something, anything, to prevent mass shootings. So ask your representative, what will you do? And if they don't have an answer immediately at hand, if they say it's too soon to talk about this, that means they've never really given it any serious thought. Because they have had plenty of time since Uvalde and Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and Sandy Hook and the Pulse nightclub. So if they don't have an answer now, they will never have an answer. Now, we do have a new Speaker of the House, a self-professed, devoutly religious man who on his first day in office addressed this unspeakable tragedy. Let's hear what his new ideas are. This is a dark time in America. We have a a, a lot of problems, and we're really, really hopeful and prayerful. Prayer is appropriate in a time like this, that the evil can end and this senseless violence can stop. And so that's, that's the statement this morning for the, on behalf of the entire House of Representatives. Everyone wants this to end, and I'll leave it there. Why would you leave it there? Is that what you think produces hope, just leaving it there and walking away from the problem? We're already capable of hope and prayer ourselves. You're capable of governing, theoretically. And I'm sorry if that sounds like too hard of a job for you. If that seems like too hard of a job, you know who's really got a hard job now? The people in Lewiston, Maine. That is hard. Now, they'll get through it. They shouldn't have to. But people do get through this. And there are very few people like Mainers. I know Mainers. I love Mainers. They're strong people. They've got Moxie. Literally, it's the name of the official state soft drink. (laughs) It tastes like carbonated cough syrup, but they drink it anyway. Because Mainers are tough. These are people whose idea of a beach is a collection of jagged rocks near freezing water. (laughs) Their state flower, the main state flower, and this is true, is a frickin' pine cone. (laughs) But they will get through this because they don't have a choice. They can't leave it there. They have to face this tragedy, and you have to face your responsibilities. And I dare anyone in power to show a fraction of the courage of all the families who have faced their tragedies and faced our failure to change. We've got a great show for you tonight. My guests are Keegan Michael Key. And for that, just powerhouse of a dissertation, Stephen Colbert is the Doug Basham Show's first People's Champion of the Week. Well done, Mr. Colbert. Extremely well done. A couple days ago, when we were talking about the quote-unquote resistance from moderate Republicans, even under the duress of death threats, the ones who voted against Jim Bag Jordan and for Tom Emmer, I played a sound clip from the Bulwark's Charlie Sykes, who asked if this could be a crack in the dam, and he wondered if it would last— I then said, if past is prologue, they'll probably go back to being cowards as they have been for many years now, but especially of late in the era and error of Donald Trump. And before we continue, because so much of what we cover on this show is oftentimes dreary and depressing, I'd like you to listen to an exchange on MSNBC's The Readout from Wednesday. More than one person has called what we have witnessed from House Republicans the past three speakerless weeks, and the past many years as well, but who's counting? They've described it as a clown car. And while that term wasn't explicitly used in this clip, the reaction between host Joy Reid and MSNBC reporter Ali Vitale, who's quickly becoming one of my very favorites, it was exactly the reaction you would expect 
from two people who have had to deal with said clown car and for far too long. And I got to tell you, this exchange left me with what I think the technical term is a poop eaten grin. Except after booting six candidates off the island, the Republican version of Survivor turned full on Lord of the Flies real fast. Now that their ability to govern themselves has devolved into full-blown anarchy, in a private vote, the tribe chose Majority Whip Tom Emmer of Minnesota as Speaker-designate number three. At least 26 members held out on Emmer. Some expressed concern over Emmer's voting record on things like certifying the 2020 election, Ukraine, and a slew of other reasons. I can't go along with putting one of the most moderate members of the entire Republican conference in the speaker's chair. That, that betrays the conservative values that I came here to fight for. How concerned are you about his vote on same-sex marriage? Uh, very concerned. Could you vote against him? Uh, yes. Would you, are you gonna, is there any way you would vote for him? Uh, no. People are talking. He's had some issues uh, with the former president. I think some of the comments that he's made in the past, uh, I'm not going to get specific, but I think it's causing him some problems. Just way too too moderate and normal. Uh, his problems with the former president got worse uh, when Donald Trump, who less than 24 hours earlier said he was staying out of the speaker debacle, shanked Emmer on his fake Twitter. Trump said Emmer hadn't defended him enough, was totally out of touch with Republican voters, and that voting for a, quote, globalist rhino would be a tragedy. With his shot at 217, basically DOA at that point, late today, Emmer abruptly dropped his bid. Clearly, the third time's not the charm, and Republicans are back to square one. Joining me now is NBC News Capitol Hill correspondent Ali Vitale and Tim Miller, writer at large at The Bulwark and an MSNBC political analyst. Oh, Ali, what <laughs> in the fresh hell is going on in that building behind you? I have not left this hallway all day, Joy. I think you the live there now. Mood here it's where you live? Is exactly your question. I live here. Forward my mail. Someone go. Someone else go pay my mortgage because we're all installed here, and they're staying for the rest of the night. Can I just add, Joy? They're supposed to vote in about thirty minutes for another balloting round to find another speaker designate because Emmer, as you pointed out only lasted in that role for about three hours before he pulled himself out of contention. So this is where we stand. And I have spent some time reporting over the course of the last few minutes with our colleague Scott Wong that there is now a push being floated by former Speaker McCarthy to be reinstalled as Speaker McCarthy alongside Jim Jordan as the assistant speaker. Two points to make here, and I do hear your laughter. Two points to make here. The first is one source who was... <laughs> I can't even continue with you. <laughs> Let me finish. One source who was briefed on this idea told me that it would work like Pelosi and Catherine Clark, speaker and assistant speaker. So there is technically a precedent for this, but there is also very much an office reference here about Dwight being the assistant to the regional manager, and I think that's probably more apt because... As your laughter suggests, this is probably not going to happen, but it's being floated and we just report the news here, Joy. <laughs> Tim, you won't be speaker. I mean, at this point, uh, they just need I somebody was, to I do the job. Twitter referred to me as speaker designate. Uh, I always, <laughs> it's the title that I'm going for going forward. Uh, everybody gets to be speaker designate. It is a title without a job, apparently, and so why not me? I mean... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to me to laugh at your great reporting, but Tim, so you mean, so, so, so this is what we're doing. Kevin McCarthy said, I have a bright idea. Me, me, I'll be speaker. It's the thing I've always wanted anyway. Just give it back to me. Like that's it. Is this ever going to end? Can I mean, Allie go home at some money. point? I don't think Allie can go home. And, and she home, might Tim. end up being speaker designate. <laughs> You know, I know that was a lengthy clip, but I found it just delightful and perhaps needed. And so, what happened later that day? The quote-unquote moderate Republicans had a chance to once again do the right thing and deny an election denier from becoming their speaker. And what's ironic is Wednesday morning, before I went on the air, Brian, Justin, and I were discussing in the green room how many rounds of voting there'd be before Johnson withdrew. 
And I told Brian and Johnson that what I feared was that the so-called moderate conservatives, again, those who voted against Jim Bag Jordan and for Tom Emmer, were sick of how inept and incompetent the MAGA wing of the caucus was making them look, and I was afraid that they would just cave and capitulate and vote for pro-Trump, anti-abortion, anti-gay, anti-climate, anti-union election denier Mike Johnson just to get it over with. And when you get right down to it, this Mike Johnson is as nuts, or at least pretends to be as nuts, as Sidney Kraken Powell. The allegations about these these voting machines, some of them being rigged with this software by Dominion, look, there's a lot of merit to that. And when the president says the election is rigged, that's what he's talking about, that it was the fix was in. You know, I could give example after example in all these states. I don't know how much time you all have this morning, but there's some 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 of these lawsuits have a lot of merit and we need to exhaust all the legal remedies. In every election in American history, there's some small element of fraud, irregularity, error. We we just know that. You just accept that that's the case. But when you have it on a broad scale, when you have, you know, a software system that is used all around the country that is suspect because it came from Hugo Chavez's Venezuela. And that is who became the QOP's new Speaker of the House. As bat poop crazy as Sidney Kraken Powell, or again, at least pretending to be. But that swill was what then AG Bill Barr called bullshisky and what also cost Fox Noise almost a billion dollars. But you know how we can teach this little MAGA Mike Johnson prick a lesson? My fellow Democrats, take back the House next year so MAGA Mike will no longer be the House Speaker. Hmm? And one thing I thought of, which the Bulwark's Charlie Sykes did as well, you know, great minds and, and all that, this is a rather startling comparison. By the way, how about this for a split screen? They are pleading guilty to criminal offenses for saying and doing the same things that Mike Johnson has now used as a ladder to uh, rise to the speakership. Isn't that a great point? People like Sidney Powell are taking plea deals and pleading guilty for saying the same thing ongoing election deniers and whack jobs are still saying, and with complete impunity, including the new Speaker of the House. And why does this bug me so much? Because these same statements, whether intentional or designed, are just further destroying people's confidence in the bedrocks upon which our democracy was built and still stands. In other words, boil it all down to this. These statements are direct attacks on our democracy, period. But then what else would we expect from a seditious election denier like Mike Kraken Powell Johnson? But back on point. So what happened then? Less than an hour later, after I told Brian and Justin what I was afraid of, that the QOP would do, again, just vote for Johnson to get it over with and put an end to the embarrassment of their total ineptness, they did exactly that. They caved and they capitulated and they made a Trump mega extremist, an election denier, their new House Speaker. I'm psychic! So when you call the show, rather than ask me how I'm doing, let me just tell you how you're doing. And you know, I once went to see this psychic. I knocked on her door. She said, who is it? So I left. And then I thought for a moment. I said, well, maybe she hasn't tuned in yet. I gave her another chance. I went back. And then at the end of the session, she proved she wasn't legit. She let me write her a check. And she wasn't the only psychic I went to see. But here's the thing. Every psychic I did go to see was either depressed or very high-string, borderline hysterical. I mean, it's really hard to find a happy medium. And I told one of them, I'm in love with two women, Katie and Nicole. Which one will be the lucky one? And the psychic said, Nicole will be the lucky one. You're going to marry Katie. And once I was almost in love with a psychic, but she left me before we met. I saw another psychic who doubled as a prostitute. She blew my mind. Another psychic told me I was going to experience extreme heartbreak in 12 to 14 years. So to cheer myself up, I got myself a puppy. 
and my ex-wife. Yeah, she was also a clairvoyant. One time my phone died when I was out, so I used my brother's phone to call her, and she answered, what's up, sexy, before I'd even said a word. Another psychic told me that in five years' time I'd have two children, and I told her, but I already have three children, to which she responded, yeah, leukemia is a real bastard, isn't it? And my uncle, he knew the exact year, month, and day he was going to die. He wasn't psychic, the judge told him. And then there was the woman who went to a psychic and found out she was going to live to be a hundred. She figured, well, if I'm going to be around that long, I might as well look my best. And so she got the whole works. Facelift, boob job, tummy tuck, nose job, Botox, again, the whole nine yards. And she looked amazing. But after her final procedure, she got hit by a bus and died. Upon arriving at the pearly gate, she cried and said, I was supposed to have 40 more years. And God said, oh, sorry, I didn't recognize you. And finally, the orange pus gut himself, Donald Trump, went to a psychic. He asked how long he was going to live. And the psychic told him, I cannot foresee that, but I do know you will die on an American holiday. To which Trump asked, which holiday? To which the psychic answered, whichever day you die will be an American holiday. But back on point, I'm not saying that cowardice was the main impetus for them voting for Johnson as opposed to just getting it over with. But it's kind of like, so what? When the result is the exact same thing, does it really matter why? The guy who is now second in line to the presidency believes the current president was not duly elected and that the election was fraudulent. One person described Mike Johnson as Jim Jordan in drag. Another one called him Jim Jordan with a jacket and a smile. And I would just amend that to say a jacket and a smirk. Yeah, he's got this ever-present, self-absorbed, narcissistic, egotistical, vainglorious smirk, and one that is just begging for someone to wipe it off his face. Here's Jimmy Kimmel's reaction to Mike Johnson becoming the new House Speaker. You could go to the middle of the phone book and pick any of the hundreds of Mike Johnsons. Each one would be a better choice for Speaker because not one of them tried to overthrow the presidential election in the House he now represents. But instead, Republicans swiped way right on this Mike Johnson, who looks like a kid dressed up as a congressman for Halloween. <laughs> By the way, even though Mike Johnson tried to decertify um, Biden's election win, Biden called Johnson to congratulate him on winning the election because that's what normal people do. Biden said he looked forward to working together to find common ground. Johnson said he looked forward to burning democracy to the ground. So... <laughs> Kimmel also let his disgust be known regarding how all these anemic Republican cowards who were running for speaker were falling all over one another to gain the, or to gain the orange traitor's favor. Can you imagine that these guys still have to kiss his ass? Donald Trump, not only is he not president anymore, he's basically sitting on the stoop outside prison waiting to be escorted in. <laughs> and not just one prison. close to being in an orange jumpsuit with cuffs on his little wrists. And these <laughs> sad, scared little ducklings in Congress are uh, trembling with fear like a collection of uh, Hummel figurines on your mom's shelf <laughs> at the beginning of an earthquake. They're just like hoping he approves of them, groveling for his blessing, begging a man who is going to be eating his meals off a tray in the cafeteria of a penitentiary every day for the rest of his stupid life to please like me, please, your majesty, pick me. To I have news for you people. He's not El Chapo, okay? He, when he goes away, you're all still going to be there. And my God, are you going to be ashamed of yourselves? Hopefully half as embarrassed for yourselves as we are for you right now. Uh, a dramatic... Boom. And that applause went on a whole lot longer than I let you hear it. Well said, Mr. Kimmel. And I want you to hear one other sound clip from Mike Johnson that the legitimate news media has been playing the past couple days and how I believe they all missed the main takeaway from it. 
Roe v. Wade gave constitutional cover to the elective killing of unborn children in America. Period. Think about it. Let it settle on you. As a result, the lives of more than 63 million American children have been lost. You think about the implications of that on the economy. We're all struggling here to, to cover the bases of Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and all the rest. If we had all those able-bodied workers in the economy, we wouldn't be going upside down and toppling over like this. And before I comment on this particular clip, for comparison's sake, I want to travel back to something that happened on 9-11, but not in 2001, but rather 11 years later in 2012. And of course, I'm referring to the attack on an American facility in Benghazi, Libya. And I have long said that the QOP never gave a continental damn about the four who died that day, except to the extent they could drag their dead bodies up and down the political field in order to score political points. And maybe it's just me. While everyone else in the media who played this Mike Johnson clip reported and commented on it strictly in the context of it reflecting his opinion on abortion, those weren't my two takeaways at all, although theirs were legitimate. My first takeaway was how his abortion stance just further proves what hypocrites today's QOP, formerly GOP, are when it comes to abortion, like with Benghazi. I have also long said they don't give a damn about aborted babies except to the extent they can drag their bodies up and down the political football field in order to score culture war points with their base. But Mike Johnson, in my opinion, sunk to an even lower depth. Is it just me, or did anyone else notice that Johnson didn't say anything about these babies he wishes had been saved in humanitarian terms? No, he looked at them from an economical standpoint. He looked at them as eaters, as workers, because, hey, if all those aborted babies had lived and grown up, we'd have more workers. And with more workers, we'd be able to replace other workers who had been chewed up and spit out by greedy corporate America. And if we have a never-ending supply of eaters and workers, why, the more tax cuts we could give corporate America. That was my main takeaway from that clip, not just his abortion stance. 221-7283 is our call-in number here at the station, folks. If you'd like to chat, that's 702-221-SAVE. To the phones we charge with vigor and enthusiasm, and we'll start with Carl. You're first up. Thanks for calling. Hey, hey Doug. Hey, How Carl. you doing? Good. How are you? Listen, about the uh, gun deal with the uh, shooter who they're still looking for, um, I'm, I get, I'm so tired of hearing these uh, people on the extreme right saying that, uh, well, if they don't, if people don't have guns, then they'll they'll kill. They'll use knives. Well, I, I've heard that a hundred times. It's the most ridiculous. If you have kids in school, would you rather have somebody break into your school with a knife or an AR-15 with? hundreds of rounds of ammunition. But see, Carl, you are being too logical and honest. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's, it's, it's you're it's right. It's, you're right. It's absolute idiocy. If the guy on the... I don't know, it wasn't the top floor, but a couple down uh, in Mandalay Bay had had a knife, how many people at that concert would have been killed? It is a stupid, idiotic, false equivalence... And it's what they do to distract and deflect away from actually having to discuss the problem because they don't want and to. Yeah. And if you look at these statistics, this is the only country in the world that have so many mass shootings monthly and weekly and daily. Daily, yeah. All the major countries in the world have nothing anywhere near that. Oh, I know. 
Well, that whole I mean, big bit I did yesterday, Carl, in the last, what, 25-plus years, you take Canada, you take Britain, you take Australia, they've had 10 mass shootings with 57 dead in 27 years. Yeah, that happens daily here, though. I mean, oh, I know, I know. It's, un- it's I know, unbelievable. It's- Look, you, you don't need an AR-15 for home protection. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. I happen to have a pistol which I've had for a number of years. And how long which, have you been married uh, to? Is, well, <laughs> yeah, it's not a hot pistol, though. It's a cold pistol. Oh, uh, but, <laughs> oh she'll love you for that, Carl. Enjoy yeah, sleeping on the but, couch tonight. <laughs> but, but well, it's better than sleeping on the pistol. floor, which I usually do. That's okay. Anyway. Your gun only fires blanks. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that's all you need for home protection. I mean, how many people are going to, a pile against your door to break into your house. 25, you know, I mean, this is, it's so ridiculous, just so ridiculous. AR-15s are, are, are weapons of war. They're really designed for that. And, and basically, that's it. And they're not needed. They're really not needed. I know. Carl, you and I and, both know this. Logical, rational, reasonable people know everything you and I say to be true. And I would venture to say most of these gun nuts who resist even the slightest change, the, the slightest common sense gun laws, they know it too. But they're power yeah. hungry. They want to stay in power. And that means getting good marks from the NRA and their base. And if they come out and say well, something sensible and reasonable and logical about gun control, they'll lose their votes. Well, the thing is, too, if you look at any poll, almost all the polls show that anywhere from 75 to 90 percent of the public in the United States wants good uh, background checks. They yep. want gun control. They want all that. And yet a few percent of people in the Congress and whatever are keeping the mass, vast majority of, uh, Americans from getting what they want. Yep. It's, 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 it's sad. It's really sad. It is, Carl. Anyway. I appreciate your call, buddy. You have a good weekend. We'll talk care. next week. You too. 221-7283 is a number. Yeah. It's like I said yesterday. It's the tyranny of the minority over the majority. Carl is right, and we all know he's right. The overwhelming majority of Americans want common-sense gun laws. So why are we being held hostage by the minority? That isn't right. There's something wrong with the way our government is set up. If the minority can rule over the majority, it just ain't right. 221-7283 is the number. Big Bad John, you're next. Thanks for calling. Hey, Doug. Hey, John. I've I've told this story before. I'm, I'm sure I told it to you, but uh, uh, you know, uh, five or six years ago, I, I I went into a gun store. You know, I don't own a gun. I've never owned a gun. I have no desire to ever own a gun. Um, I grew up around guns. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania. That's deer country. My grandfather was a hunter. He had all kinds of guns all over the place. Going to a, a gun store these days, I was going in. Expecting, yeah, you're going to see some shotguns and maybe some rifles and, you know, some handguns. Right. It, it is, it's like walking into a military depot. Yeah. I mean, there are just, there's nothing but weapons of mass destruction. It's like walking into a video game. Uh, you will see assault rifle after assault rifle. They're all hanging on the wall. The profit margins are huge. And it's just so sad. That like like Carl said, that so few can control so many. Yeah. And if you try to reason with them, and if you say point blank, you know, we don't. I'm not. I, I don't want to take away your guns. You can have your guns. You can have as many pistols as you want, as many long guns as you want, just as long as you can't rattle off, you know, mm-hmm. twenty five, fifty rounds uh, a minute and, and mow down a, a, a bunch of people. It's just, it's just sad and pathetic. John, let me ask you, do you think the day will ever come when we will emulate the other westernized civilized nations and actually do something concrete? And I don't mean little band-aids, but I mean big steps. Do you think that will ever happen? Not unless and until Citizens United is overturned. Mm. We're we're in a death spiral. Um, you know, these are these are uh, behemoths. You know, what's funny is they, you know, as a look, if you want to know what the Republicans are doing dirty and how they're uh, gaining an unfair competitive advantage, just look at what they accuse you of. 
And, and every Republican will, you know, if you say anything that involves, uh, you know, an outside contributor, they will scream up and down about George Soros. There are so many Republican George Soroses out there. We don't even know their names. Yeah. Like, who was the clown that, uh, that, uh, you know, has turned out to be, uh, Clarence Thomas's sugar daddy? I mean, I've never heard of that guy before, no, right? I know. And now we, got, well, now we learn there's more than one. Yeah, there's thousands of them, man. And, 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 and the amount of money that they contribute is dwarfs anything George Soros contributes. So yeah. we're in a death spiral here where the, the small, well-funded minority can control the majority because they can buy all the politicians, they can buy the votes. Citizens United is going to kill democracy in America. We need campaign finance room. It would behoove either. How much does a presidential campaign cost? Like, what is it, two? Uh, last one was like two billion a piece or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty uh, expensive. It, 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 yeah, but hey, uh, the, okay, so let's double it. Let's for for poops and giggles. Let's say well, let's go crazy, Trump and Biden. We're going to give you four billion each, and you're you, you're not going to have to raise a penny, and it's all going to be based on the merits and your ideas. And you don't have to waste your time raising funds. We're just going to discuss the issues. You know, the last time I checked, big oil, the, the biggest, most profitable companies in the world, get at least $8 billion in subsidies a year. So we, we, our country would be so much better off. Pick a number, whatever it is, it's going to seem outrageous. But we'll get it back within weeks yeah. if we publicly financed all these campaigns. You want to run for house, you're going to get a million dollars. It's not even that much to run for house. You're going to get five hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars if you if you if you qualify for your party. Uh, multiply it out, whatever it is. If it's if it's a hundred billion dollars, we give that away in a year, in, 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 a, in, a, in a in a split second. And you know something? You, know, you know something else we could do, John? We could emulate countries like Germany who only allow their politicians to start campaigning six weeks before an election. Not the day after the, the election for the next two or four or six years, but six weeks before the election. Perfect sense. Perfect sense. Look, look at my, my Kevin McCarthy. I mean, uh, first of all, I kind of like this Mike Johnson speaker. Uh, I think he's going to be a colossal failure. I think he's, he's, a, he's a transparent fraud. I think Kevin McCarthy was uh, too cool by half, um, and uh, I think he was—he's a dangerous fraud because he would—he he would talk out of both sides of his mouth. He would present one side to you, grab your check, and then go present another side to the other. I think—I think this Johnson pick is going to prove very beneficial for us Democrats because, uh, <laughs> if nothing else, he is wholly transparent on the abortion issue uh, and on the guns rights issues. And uh, I think it's I think it's going to create a problem for the Republican Party. And you know something, John? Starting today, there are already ads out portraying this Mike Johnson as the Christo fascist he is. You know what you're getting, man, and yep. and, and, and it's going to be dysfunction. And you know, you know, he's headed towards hell in, in a month's time when the uh, they need to pass another continuing resolution to get the to prevent the shutdown of the government. He's going to have a horrible time. Trump's going to turn on him eventually. We know that. That's a fact. That's you can write that in stone. Yeah. Uh, and all the while, he's trying to fight this, and he he finally must take a stand and speak publicly. Uh, you know, all his uh, his perverse, twisted, distorted views are going to come to the forefront, and we're going to be able to pin that on the Republican Party. Yep. I hear you, John. Sage advice as always. Great show, Doug. Hey, thanks, hey, John. You're listening. Call, call, call a friend. Before, as soon as Doug finishes the show today, pick up the phone and call a friend and say, hey, man, do you realize we got this great resource in Las Vegas, this guy named Doug Basham, and he's got a tremendous radio show between 11 and 12, and you better start listening. Get your head out of your behind. Our democracy's circling the drain, and Doug's here to save us. That's why I don't. Hey, thanks, John. I appreciate it. You're the best. Great show, Doug. Hey, have a good weekend. 221-7283 is our caller number, area code 702-221-7283. And I asked John if he thought we'd ever see major change. And John made a great point. We have to get rid of Citizens United. Another way I think we could change, we could see big change. Let's say there's 220 Republicans in Congress. 
Okay, we'll add, we'll add the senators. Whatever that total number is, when the majority of that number, their children get mowed down in school, then you will see a change. Because if we, as we have observed for years, if not decades, by and large, Republicans don't care about an issue until it affects them personally. And we could go over all sorts of examples. I just did a couple days ago. I won't do it again. Two two one seven two eight three is the number. Forrest, you're next. Thanks for calling. Yeah, Doug, great show. Um, uh, I agree with Big John on, and you on everything, but um, we're going to have to suffer, I think, um, for a year and one week till the next election. And um, before Mike Johnson took over, they were going to lose 25 seats um, in the House. With Johnson in there, I think they may lose as many as 30, but the country is so gerrymandered, it's hard to really flip a ton of seats. But um, we're just we're just going to have to suffer through, I think, for another year and a week. And um, there'll be, like I say, there'll be approximately 30 House seats that are going to flip. And um, God, it's a long wait, but that's where we are. And let me ask you, Forrest, do you see us retaining the Senate? Any chance we can increase our majority? It'll be tough. The only two that could possibly flip are Texas and Florida, and uh, they haven't been kind to us. No. West Virginia is going to be real rough. Uh, we could end up with a 50-50 Senate, um, but as crazy as Cruz is, and, and uh, in Florida, uh, the Jewish population down there, I think, is going to finally realize that Joe Biden is their friend, and maybe we can flip those two, but they're long shots. I, I kind of see in the Senate um, maybe a 50-50 Senate. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for us. I know you have your, your finger on the pulse of the election, so I'll, I'll count on you to keep us surprised. Okay, you have a good one. Now. Hey, you too, Forrest. Thanks for calling. 221-7283 is our call number. That's area code 702-221-SAVE. Back to the phones we had, and we'll talk to Bob. You're next. Thanks for calling. Hi, Doug. I'm so jealous you got to talk to Glenn Kirshner, but but that was a great show. Thank you for that. Isn't he wonderful? Um, uh, he is. I mean, I so knowledgeable. Uh, I wish he would have been the attorney general. I agree. Um, he he just uh, just awesome. And anyway, so I uh, remember when Trump said uh, that he was going to eat eat the young or whatever. <laughs> I wonder what kind of condiments he would have used. Excuse me, but do you have any great blue bottles? I don't think so. But anyways, <laughs> it's just I lock him up already. Enough's enough. Yeah. When I, I, I just just hearing his voice, big whiny little baby, worse than my he's worse than my sick cat. So <laughs> anyway. Uh, Anyways. And you know, there's a correlation there, because that's the main reason Donald Trump will never lay down in a sand pile, because the cats will come and try to cover him up. He is the biggest piece of poop out there, I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah, they'd have a field day. They'd have to bring shovels. (laughs) Uh, Fish sticks, I'm just saying. But anyways. All right, you have a nice weekend. Great talking to you, and... Keep up the great work. Hey, thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. And you know, that's true. And I just read this morning that even after he was, he received his second fine for violating the gag order, it went from 5,000 to 10,000. He went on his anti-social media site and started attacking people. I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know. What is it going to take before someone says, like Glenn Kirshner did, We need to stop sacrificing the due administration of law for Donald Trump. He is a regular citizen now. It doesn't matter that he, to our eternal shame, was our former president. He is just a regular citizen now. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And everybody keeps tiptoeing around him. I also read this morning that Jack Smith has filed four more motions. One of them is asking Judge Chutkin to remove the stay on the gag order she put on Trump. As you know, she issued a gag order. Trump appealed it. So she put a stay on the order, which essentially nullifies it. Well, you know, appending the appeal. 
And as I told Glenn a couple days ago, as I understand it, and Glenn agreed, she didn't have to put a stay on it. The gag order could have stayed in place while it was being appealed. So the question is, why did she put a stay on it? And the answer is, as wonderful as Judge Chutkin is, and I believe she is, when Glenn, when Glenn Kirshner tells me that Judge Chutkin is as solid as they come, I believe it. And I kind of thought that way anyway. But as wonderful as she may be, she's still tiptoeing around the orange gut wagon. Why? Leave the gag order in place while it's being appealed. Because as soon as she took it off, he went back on the attack, started calling Jack Smith deranged. Today he's talking about the racist AG in New York, Peekaboo James. I mean, come on. As Judge Shutkin herself said, she has, she knows of no other defendant in any other case who has done and said what Trump has. Call prosecutors a deranged thug. I mean, how can that not be interpreted as interfering with the trial, inter intimidating witnesses, influencing witness, witness tampering? Take your pick. I mean, it is absolutely outrageous. And why everybody continues to tiptoe around this guy is beyond my comprehension. He doesn't deserve it. He deserves to be in jail. Revoke his bail, remand him to custody, and throw him in jail. And I don't want to sound too hopeful or optimistic, but it almost sounds like Judge Engeron in New York is rapidly approaching that threshold. I mean, he told Trump the other day, after he fined him $10,000, don't do it again, or the result will be worse. Okay, define worse, Judge. Does that mean 15000 100000 I think he should find him $10 million. Seriously, can you imagine the scene that would be, the field day the cameras would have when Trump left the courtroom that day? From 5000 to 10000 to 10 no, screw it, 5000 to 10000 to $20 million. And say, I'm sick of tiptoeing around you and walking on eggshells. My feet are getting sore, damn it. And do it. Just do it. Lay a fine on him that will mean something. It's not going to change him. But then, hey, after the 20 million, you can go for 50 million or 100. Have a field day with it. Because that's what this guy deserves. And he is going to push and push and push and do everything he can to destroy people's faith and all the institutions necessary for our democracy until he is thrown in jail. So, as Nike likes to say, and profits handsomely from it, just do it. Period. That's it, folks. We are out of time. As I say, we made it through another week. I thank you for joining me. I thank you for listening. I thank you for calling. And we will do this all over again on Monday, hopefully with you. Until then, take care.